Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Health Matters uh, Radio. Uh, Dr. Ned Hoke is glad and happy to be welcoming back uh, Dr. Julie Gatesa to Health Matters Radio. So thank you for taking the time with us today. Thanks for having me on your show. Great. So we're here to talk about Valentine's Day, of course, and, and the world that's coming up at us. It's you know, coming this Sunday, actually, and, and it's for those of our listeners who don't remember the ancient Romans, well, how this all began, according to legend, the ancient Romans um, uh, martyred. They, 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 what did they do? They, um, they killed two different guys named Valentine. And then, the, the, well, that's, that's what the story is. And so uh, their martyrdom was honored by the Catholic Church in the celebration of St. Valentine's Day. So just in case our listener didn't know where Valentine's Day or at least originally came from. But, it's, it's of course, it's bigger than that. And, of course, the world of sugar, as Julia will tell us all about, I'm sure, is a world of intense interest, medical interest, and has been in recent years. And so we'll hope to touch on some of that as well. Uh, but, uh, Dr. Julie, um, maybe start with the lay of the land uh, in terms of the, the, the you know, because so many of our listeners will know that the whole world of cravings that, 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 that people live with, sugar is a big player in the world of sugar cravings. So let's talk about what causes sugar cravings. So you can have sugar cravings from basically a couple of different reasons. It can be the fact that you've gotten on a sugar roll, and once you start in on sugar, you run into a different type of a metabolism. Instead of running a very efficient, uh, energy-forward long-term metabolism, you start running something really quickly that needs sugar to keep it going. So once you start eating sugar, you need more sugar, you don't feel good, so you want more sugar and pops and coffees and different things and carbohydrates, which turn into sugar. And that's basically just the thing that everyone says, yeah, you know, it's been the holidays, I've been on vacation, I've been on a bad stint. So that is usually, you know, handled easily with putting in good food and protein and eating three meals and drinking water. There's the other type of craving for sugar that can occur from a, a yeast overgrowth or what we call candida, and you have this good balance of bacteria and yeast in your gut. And when it becomes imbalanced, which is way more common than people are aware of, yeast needs sugar to survive. So underneath all of this, you've got this these microorganisms basically saying, feed me, feed me, and we need sugar. So now a person tries to get on a good program and get back onto the, you know, normal, and they can't quite do it, and they think their willpower is bad, and they're just, you know, they don't got it t together anymore, and it's this overgrowth of yeast, and they're just demanding the sugar, which sort of makes you helpless. You can have a meal, feel hungry afterwards, 
you know, and you crave the sugar and you're constantly needing it. And a lot of that is this, is this uh, candida. Right. And I think we, you know, in fairness, we really do have to remember that our, the average American consumer uh, uses between 150, 170 pounds of refined sugar every year. So as a consequence, um, this story of candida, which Julie and I, Dr. Julie and I both recognize and we consider it in, 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 in medical terms, this is something that's very ubiquitous. That, that means it's everywhere. And so it's not only living as a defined medical diagnosis, as a defined medical problem, but it's a cultural problem as well. So, um, and, and just simply the, the, the quantity that we're putting in ourselves, and of course the fact that our that we're that the the world of, of high fructose corn syrup, and we'll we'll talk about that. I'm sure a little bit more in the in the later moments here. But so we so we really have a crisis here, actually. And and, and it's I mean St. Valentine's Day is a wonderful day to love to love someone and to give them something. But maybe they'd be <laughs> maybe it would be better if you didn't give them something sweet. So. Let's talk about the difference between feeling hungry and having sh the cravings. We took, we just, we did actually talk about that. So let's keep going here. So what? So, food, what know, if if, go, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So if you're hungry, if you're hungry, basically you eat a meal and you're fine. And right. you know, you eat a stable meal with the protein and the vegetables, and you feel good and you're full and you're not hungry to your next meal. But the candida underlying and this out of control sugar situation, you can have that perfectly great meal and still not feel satisfied and feel like you needed more and now you can't get by without having the dessert or, you know, something sweet afterwards. And, you know, now you're looking, you know, more towards the yeast basically saying, sorry, this wasn't enough sugar for us, we need more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this yeast can get out of control just from one course of antibiotics. Wow. I'm not against antibiotics. I'm just, you know, after you've killed off whatever you're trying to kill off, let's say you've got a chest congestion or an earache for your child or, you know, a sinus condition, and you're taking antibiotics, it doesn't have the ability to just say, oh, we're only going to handle the sinus. It will kill off your good bacteria in the digestive system, and that's where the yeast says, oh, well, we've got nobody to keep us in check, so that's where you start to have a problem. And, you know, it's been a real uh, pain to treat patients who had a yeast overgrowth in the years because it took anywhere from six months to sometimes over a year to really get this balanced. And I've come across this unbelievable herb from New Zealand called um, a horopedo plant, and, and uh, they've put it in this capsule. And you take this capsule one a day for 30 days, and it kills off the yeast, puts the bacteria back in normalcy, and now a person has a chance to get their health back. Well, that's uh, that's quite a promise for for a single herb, um, and I have I have to admit I'm not familiar with horopedo. So, say a little bit more about that in terms of now you we should we should let it, we should acknowledge to our listeners that you are a paid representative of a of a company called Nature's Sources, which presumably is a provider of this this product. So, maybe you could say a little bit more about the product and kind of where it typically is available, and can they read sure. more can they read more about it online somewhere? Yes, absolutely. I, I never knew about it until I found out about this company. And um, we got in communication and I started to speak about, you know, my frustration as a doctor trying to handle my yeast patients. And, you know, I was, you know, mentally putting a bubble over my practice because I didn't want any more yeast patients there. It's frustrating for them and, and as a doctor. 
and they told me about this um, this product called Colorex, K-O-L-O-R-E-X, mm-hmm. and it's from this horopito plant that's indigenous to New Zealand, and it's been used for thousands of years by uh, New Zealanders, and um, it only grows there, and they've encapsulated it, and it helps to basically start to wipe out the yeast colonies. And if you knew how many uh, medical solutions and over-the-counter and prescribed things that people have been trying to do for yeast problems, it's really mind-boggling. I've had people walk in with suitcases full of remedies, you know, saying, can you check this, can you check this? And, you know, you have to eliminate every sugar and everything that's fermented and, you know, every carbohydrate. And, oh, my goodness, it's just... It's a nightmare for a for a yeast patient. So, right, right. so we've we've got this one nailed now, and you know I love being this um, spokesperson because I can't stop talking about it. We've all taken it, and uh, you know even chronic urinary tract infections, you fix the actual yeast problem, and you can correct that as well. Often. Well, that's a lot of big promises, Doctor Julie. <laughs> I, I have well, to... I never want to promise, but it's just been my experience. Uh, no, so much. Uh, no, I love it. No, I, I, I for those, I mean, I, I'm a physician of the same general type as you in the sense of being, you know, nutritionally oriented and 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 working with the issue of uh, yeast problems. And and of course, exactly as Doctor Julie says, this is uh, uh, it's an overwhelming problem. And the thing is, is that. Uh, many of our listeners, uh, if they went to their conventional physician, a lot of times they're going to they're going to want to give you something like Diflucan or something like that. They're going to want to give you some st- strong medication, which, at least in my experience, is is it it isn't it isn't a complete answer either. You know, so if if this is as good as uh, Dr. Julie is telling us, this is really quite a breakthrough and and kind of like the same sort of thing that. Um, I'm trying to think of um, like uh, H. pylori, for instance. Before we knew what H. pylori was about, I mean, that was just big mystery and thousands of you know different ways of trying to treat it. And now that we know that it's a certain kind of bacteria and there's a certain way of addressing it, so we've. This is one of the things that, with the, I hope this is the that the way Dr. Julie is describing. This is this has come along. And of course, it hasn't come along anytime too soon. So maybe for our listeners who are not familiar with uh, some of the s- symptoms that go with the yeast overgrowth, maybe you could share some of that with us. Absolutely, and you know, this is this is that area where even traditional medicine doesn't necessarily have a cut and dried way to say, "Ah, yes, this is yeast." Right. So you mostly go with symptoms and you know the history of what's happening with people. So you know the obvious ones are the yeast infections. People can have toenail fungus. Um, a baby can have thrush. And that's the obvious that you say, oh, wow, this is not right. You can have urinary tract infections. You can have skin conditions, especially itchy skin. You can have brain fog and fatigue. You can have um, digestive upsets uh, of many types. The sugar cravings, of course, weight gain. Metabolism is slowered. It's slowered is much lower. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, you've, you've got all these different things that you think, well, just take this vitamin, do this, exercise more, lose a few pounds. And underlying is this, you know, yeast overgrowth. And all you have to do is take a look back. Have you been out of control on a holiday and eaten a lot of sugar? Have you had some stress? Have you had a surgery? Have you been on antibiotics? Has your kid been on antibiotics? 
And all those things sort of compile up to the fact that no one's really put that yeast back into its control. Mm. And uh, now you have this overgrowth that looks like so many other things, not necessarily, you know, handle the candida. Right. Now, the the issue of leaky gut syndrome kind of sort of comes into this area as well because so many things, and, and maybe you'll describe some of that, what that really means for our listeners, but it's, it's one of the things that... Um, makes this a, a, a significant chronic primary healthcare concern rather than a you know just a little itchy skin or just a little toenail fungus. I mean, it, this is the sort of thing that cancers are built on. And these are, this, this is the sort of thing that, you know, deep primary healthcare problems are built on a leaky gut syndrome as well. So please, for our listeners, describe what leaky gut syndrome is and kind of and how that connects to the yeast overgrowth issue and why we need to be concerned about it. All right, um, and you're absolutely right. I I feel as if over 90% of the people that I've ever seen have some form of leaky gut, and when you handle that, you actually have a chance to really give them back their health. So I don't care what they come in with. We, we really get the gut so the, it's the, the most efficient. So let me try to make it in such layman's terms that it's easy to understand. If you're eating a food that you can actually break down in your small intestine, you have tiny holes in your intestine that allow the nutrients to get into the bloodstream. The bloodstream carries all those nutrients to every single portion of the body. That's how we have our health. So that means it goes to the bones and the muscles and the tendons and the organs. When you've been eating something that you can't break down, isn't possibly good for you, too much sugar, you start to irritate those small, tiny holes in the small intestine and they became large and inflamed. So now you've got more than the nutrients going into the bloodstream. You've got the food particle, which then connects to a portion of your blood and your immune system says, ah, this is a foreign body. We need to attack this. So it goes on an attack and uses up your nutrition to attack this thing that shouldn't be in the bloodstream in the first place which is where autoimmune disorders come from, which is where you've got a fatigued system. You've got the immune system that's, you know, in constant barrage and overload. And until you correct why you're irritating that small intestine, you're really going to just be, you know, rolling uphill with rollerblades on all the time <laughs> trying, to, trying to make some, some headway. Right. So, you know, when you have a yeast situation that's also imbalanced, when you're not getting nutrients into the body properly, you've got this yeast that overgrows, and now you've got, you know, more things compiled onto itself. And this is why fixing the digestive system is just so darned important and really going back to the basics on the food that you're eating because it's the cheapest way to do it, and it's the most sane way to really get a product rather than trying to throw different, you know, medications at it. Right. So... Um the the issue of leaky gut, we 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 just sort of scratched to the surface, of course, on the, the consequences of it, and and let's when, as I talked to you before we actually got on the air, I said because I've been spending a bunch of time uh, recently uh, trying to learn more about. Uh, I got started actually on a book written by an old friend of mine uh, called um, Reversing Alzheimer's, and it took me deep into the topic of Alzheimer's and the sort of functional medicine relationships to that that eventual diagnosis and so we were talking Drew and I were talking before we got on the air about the consequence of 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 a sugar imbalance 
in the brain. And so maybe if, if you could give us a little sort of a synopsis, if you would, how is how it is, is a sugar imbalance and how is possibly leaky gut relevant to the, to the eventual development of a situation like either Parkinson's or some other neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's? Okay. Uh, good. So, you know, I always try to keep it so simple. Let's just say a person wants nutrients in their body. The best way and the only <laughs> real way they can get them in. Let's agree with that. Let's, is... let's understand. Right. Let's agree. Okay. <laughs> let's just say we need nutrients to actually make our, ourselves live, breathe, you know, repair and regenerate and uh, go through our day feeling good. Well, you can't get that from laying in a bathtub of vitamins. You just can't. You can't get it from just injections. You can't get it from just taking vitamins and no food. So you have to be able to break down your food. If you're breaking down your food and you're getting the things that you need for each portion of the body to be healthy, you're in business. You've got this nailed. Now let's say that you've gone off the rail. And, you know, I, I think that in the last 20 to 30 years, we have different food source. We don't have quite as healthy things presented to us. So we have things with a lot more sugar. We have things that really don't have nutrition in it in the first place. So we're feeding our bodies a lot of, I would say, unfood. It's high in sugar. It's not giving the metabolism what it needs to repair and and regenerate and, you know, feel good every day and have the energy. So when you look at something with Alzheimer's, which is uh, connected to a lot of extra sugar, <laughs> anything can happen on this line. And if you're not getting the nutrition that you need and you're feeding your body more sugars than it should have, you're missing out on the essential oils and the vitamins and the minerals that we need because you've been um, faking out your metabolism and your body with, oh, I'm hungry, let's have some eat sugar. Oh, I'm hungry, I'll have a slice of pineapple. Oh, I'm hungry, I'll eat a piece of bread. I'm hungry, and, you know, I'll just have a little ice cream. And you're starting eating pizzas and pastas and crackers and all these different carbohydrates which turn into sugars rather than eating a good old farmer's breakfast of eggs and bacon and, you know, chicken and, and steaks and different vegetables that we were brought up on it, or at least our grandparents were. Right. Well, and and the thing is, is that it. The other thing is, is that the brain itself is very sugar dependent, uh, mm-hmm. and and so the what what our listeners may not write. In other words, so here we are bad mouthing sugar in a way, but at the same time, the the brain is utterly dependent on a, a, a uninterrupted supply of nutrient support. Which is some of which is 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 very substantially sugar, or what's called what are called ketone bodies, which is a larger conversation than we can have here today. But the the I was reading, and I wish I remembered it well enough to offer it here today with uh, sharing with you with everyone. But it, the issue is apparently with the the brain can become um, so depleted of sugar that are, in, well, inadequately supplied with sugar, and that can come from a, a, a number of chronic metabolic imbalances. So the, what, I, what I was hoping we could get to, and we're kind of getting to it sort of sideways, the, the, issue, of the, um, the issue of the efficiency of the metabolic process uh, 
which is disturbed by overuse of of both carbohydrates and sugar. So here we're talking not only about mm-hmm. sugar, that white stuff that's in the in the jar on the on the on the breakfast table. We're talking about the whole world of carbohydrate over overindulgence. And Jody touched on that a minute ago. And so we're we're really talking about something really really serious. Given that Alzheimer's is becoming one of the leading uh, disease processes, that given that we're living living so long. So this issue of the the uh, the toenail fungus is, is is hardly the the biggest problem that arises from our our inability to manage our sugar situation. And so uh, part of why I'm enthusiastic about having well, I like to talk to Julie anyway, but having her share with us what she has so far today, and and uh, and also to, urging our listeners to you know go forward in their lives with a, a deeper, a much deeper respect for the issues that we've been talking about in terms of the management. So the control of the of the of the of the carbohydrate and sugar intake is again one of the things as as Dr. Julie was saying this is very very easy to not have right. So um uh and as Julie Dr. Julie said this is very very common. So <clears throat> so is there a uh, a guide? Is there a, a a book, a guide, or is there some kind of a thing that's written down? There was here we are on the radio, fle- fleetingly sharing this with our listeners. But is there a place that you that our listeners could go to? They could get this story. They could read it, and they can they could dive into it a little deeper. What would you I say? Mean, I mean, I don't have anything in particular because you know I get catch all catch can data from different places and right. not necessarily just use one source. Right. And most of my um, experience has been did it work keep it if it didn't work throw it out the door okay and you know i do know a few principles you know whether or not people like to hear it from me or not <laughs> is right if if you're eating protein at every meal good protein eggs meat fish chicken uh if you're eating that protein at every meal and you're also eating i prefer steamed green vegetables at most every meal, mm-hmm. you're going to have an adequate amount of everything to uh, live very happily and, and live very well. Mm-hmm. People do think that they have to have, you know, the breads and the grains and the this. Well, you're getting plenty of carbohydrates from your vegetables. Mm-hmm. If you want to throw a little bit of fruit in there, feel free. But I do know that, you know, I've seen so many different types of chronic problems over the years. And what I did was I gave them water protein and vegetables and I didn't necessarily limit how much they could have of that Mm -hmm. because those are the things that the body says oh great we're eating that we're not hungry anymore Mm. oh we're assimilating this we're getting the nutrition from this and once you start to switch over your metabolism to the correct metabolism the one that you had when you were born you aren't such a hungry person you don't crave the sugars as much you can live without pastas you can live without eating a whole bunch of bread and, and candies and ice cream but you have to be able to force that situation back to the normal um uh glucose um metabolism as compared to shoving it over to the carbohydrate driven one which is what a lot of people are existing on a lot of kids are existing on it you know they're in junky moods and, you know, don't feel good unless they get sugar. Right. And, uh, you know, it really is our responsibility not to just get them back on the rails, but then take a look at our habits because, you know, it's affecting us as well. 
Well, Dr. Julie, I'm so glad we, we've, we've spoken on this topic because this is truly a social tragedy that we're living in our culture with what, what Michael Pollan calls food-like substances. Uh, there's that part of it, which Dr. Julie mentioned, of course, the things that are kind of manufactured things. And then just the pure carbohydrates, as Dr. Julie was just telling us, the pizzas and the breads and so on. So this is truly a, a health, a health uh, crisis in a way. And so much of our, our conditions in our, in our, in our, we, that we see in our clinics are in some ways supported or driven by this, this chronic imbalance. So, Dr. Julie, it's been wonderful to have you back to Health Matters Radio. You, you always give us uh, some such good guidance. So let's say take one more minute to, to describe your product and kind of where people can find out more about that product. Sure. Well, the Colorex, anyone that's wanting to get their health back on order, I would say, you know, one of the first things you should just do is get that Colorex. It's one pill a day. It's 30 days. It resets all the hard work that you're going to be doing. Even if you're just changing a couple of things, get that in because almost everyone has uh, been off the rails at some point in the past <laughs> or been on antibiotics and, right. you know, could use a little aid. So it just makes your life a heck of a lot easier. The other thing is I say always keep one on hand because if somebody in your family has to go on antibiotics, you want to give them that as soon as they're done with, the, with that course. And, uh -huh. you know, we need them here and there. Uh -huh. um, they can find all about the Colorex uh, on the website, which is nature's sources.com they'll give lots of information on uh, this herb called horopito and how to use it and really I haven't seen anyone that needed more than a month's supply of it so that's you know also kind of a it's a big wonderful thing that you don't have to be on it forever right and uh, they can also call the 1-800 number which is 1-800-827-7656 and if they use the code radio they can get 20% off their first order and the Kind of a no-brainer. It just gives you a leg up that you never knew you had to losing weight, getting energy, sleeping better, fixing your itchy skin, and uh, and handling any of the yeast you know problems that that you know are yeast. Wow. Well, that's a tremendous problem to process. Promise. I meant to say, there's a tremendous promise, Dr. Julie. So thank you for that. And so, do you want to share with the listeners anything about your personal website or anything about your personal practice at all, just briefly? Uh, you know, mostly what I've done over the years with my husband, I've been in practice almost 30 years, is right. uh, we we took a look at digestion first. Uh -huh. And when we corrected somebody's digestion, even when they came in, because I'm a chiropractor, even when they came in with a chronic neck problem or a chronic back problem, often it wasn't holding properly because uh, they had inflammation. Their digestive system wasn't properly working. They weren't absorbing nutrition. They were you know, inflamed all throughout the body. And we found that we were really great chiropractors once we fixed what was happening with their digestion. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of good news and a lot of good process, Dr. Julie. So thank you for taking the time with us today. Uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. All right. Be well. Thank you. Well, that, welcome back to Health Matter, Dr. Nidhoek. Uh, now we're... Uh, with our guests, uh, but I wanted for listeners, because I'm so enthousi I'm enthusiastic about what Dr. Julie shared with everyone, I took a moment and went online to read about Horopito. And what many of our listeners may not be as aware of as I am, uh, because I do this for a living, um, the what's happened in, in medicine in the last 
30 years and more than that, but very and more actively in the, in the last 30 or even 40 years, the uh, pharmaceutical companies have, have gone into the wilds to look for the, the ancient healing uh, materials that were available to uh, either primitive peoples or peoples that they hadn't reached yet. And apparently, Horopito is one of those products that have come up that have proven itself to be remarkably useful. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't want to start our listeners off on a journey that was unexplored. And I would certainly trust Dr. Judy, Julie, excuse me, um, but I wanted to read to you a little bit about what Horopito is. Horopito is a New Zealand native shrub, which is known as native pepper tree growing throughout the most of New Zealand. Unlike most plants and trees, this native has red and yellow leaves all year round. It's an ancient endemic genus growing nowhere else in the world with primitive flower structure. And again, this is the kind of thing that, uh, to, take a, to step away from the reading here for a minute, uh, this, these are the kind of things that natural product chemistry researchers have been looking for. And so I have to admit, I'm really uh, feeling good about this one in terms of the, the story anyway. Uh, so going on, sometimes called a New Zealand pepper tree, the horopito th thrives in the colder regions with ample light uh, in the south of Auckland. It's, it's, um, it's called Pseudowintera colorata, which is the, the uh, Latin name is generally found on the edges of a forest. The native fauna tend to avoid these plants as they are distasteful and therefore thrive in uh, forest areas. It's now under benefits for the kitchen. This type of horopito is e easily distinguished by the leaf coloring and the good diagnostic feature with horopito having a red, yellow, yellowish leaf with red blotches on the top and whitish undersides. If after the if if after chewing a leaf you feel a kick of a peppery chili taste, you've got the right horopito. Initially, the taste is mild, almost nothing sensation. However, it develops into a strong peppery effect that completes competes, excuse me, with chili as the world's hottest spices. This spicy horopito is popular in trendy restaurants and serious home cooking, particularly when prepared with game and meat. P. colorata, or horopito, generally doesn't get any bigger than two to three meters in, in height. I'm reading from a New Zealand um, literature, so they use the meters. With a fleshy dark or black fruit to attract birds, they're ideal plants for suburban gardens as they need minimal attention. In the medicine cabinet, the reason horopito leaves have such a distinctive hot peppery taste is due to the polygodial um, is due to active antifungal compound, which is also key to horopito's long survival in our native forests, our native forests meaning New Zealand. Fungi and insects are deterred from attacking the leaves and browsing ate animals such as uh, microbes like fungi and bacteria in nature, but is, has been favorably compared to pharmaceutical antifungals in scientific studies. 
the polygodial compound has been isolated or was isolated in horopito leaves in the early 1980s by researchers at the University of Canterbury, discovering that it had the ability to minimize the growth of candida albicans, a fungus or yeast, which is naturally found in all healthy people, but under certain conditions that can cause infections. Researchers have shown it to be effective in clinical trials against a variety of yeast-like fungi as it breaks down the fungal cell walls and destroys cells. Many alternative practitioners are using it, are using remedies made of horopito as an alternative to conventional drugs in the natural treatment of candidiasis, also commonly known as thrush. Historic recordings that also make mention of horopito being a cure remedy for skin disease, toothaches, stomach aches, and rapid repair of skins from skin from cuts. Overall, the horopito has many uses, but very slow-growing plants, uh, taking five to eight years to harvest sustainably, hence the highest price tag. So anyway, it goes on and on, but uh, it sounds very interesting to me, and as a practitioner of natural medicine, I'm, I'm enthusiastic to try this out. This is a new thing for me. I'm just, I'm just taking it theoretically at this point. But, but anyway, I just wanted to round out, round out our conversation with Dr. Julie with that uh, additional information. So I thank you for tuning us in this today. Um, and please stay well and stay healthy. And uh, we look for you next time. Bye-bye.